Hi, this is Steve O'Mooney, and you're listening to another great show only on the 4i Radio Network. For more great shows, feel free to check out www.4iradio.com. Wallop and web snappers. My spider sense is tingling. Anybody else's spider sense tingling? Welcome to Walloping Web Snappers, a Spider-Man podcast where we dive into every Spider-Man cartoon ever made. I'm Derek. And I'm Doug. And is your spider sense tingling? Better believe it, you brutish boob. <laughs> to listen to this show, find us on 4eyedradio.com and wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs, illustration and design that fit your personality. For samples and inquiries, visit revengelover.com. And before we get into it today, we've got some word snappers from last week. Uh, Doug landed both of these <laughs> swimmingly, I, I should say. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so the first set of word snappers words that we had submitted were the words Lillian didn't submit word snappers words submitted by <laughs> Lillian Grimes. Yeah, so if you're wondering why I didn't edit that out, it's because I specifically wasn't allowed to. <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you for that, Lillian. Mm-hmm, that was a very mm-hmm. clever one. Um, and we also had Spidey Shoots His Silly String Stupendously, submitted by Bo Harper. Yes. Love yes. that one. That was very, very well integrated. If you would like to play our Word Snappers game, uh, it's a game we play with our patrons. And anybody who is a patron of us on Patreon, at any level, can submit uh, words or phrases that we have to work into that month's episodes. So sometimes if you hear us say something weird, that is... Why? <laughs> and sometimes if you hear us say something weird, it's just because we're weird. So uh-huh. try to figure yep. it out. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Well, on to, on to the real stuff because we're still yeah. talking about the 1967 Spider-Man cartoon. And as always, we've got a guest along with us for this wonderful ride. Today, we have a good friend of mine, the host of the Sci-Fi Explosion show, writer for like a bunch of places like Den of Geek and a bunch of other stuff that you you can certainly plug at the end of this episode. We have Chris. How are you doing, Chris? Greetings, spider friends. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Thank you. I, I just want to say to start off, this is uh, being a uh, spidey fanatic who's really into like Spider-Man ephemera. Uh, the existence of your show makes me very, very happy. And uh, I, I've, you know, I, I used to consider myself like an expert on uh, Spidey cartoons, and then I started listening to this show, and I'm like, yeah, I don't know as much as I thought I did. <laughs> so you guys are pretty great, and oh I my goodness, the opportunity to be on here. <laughs> you make me blush, Chris. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's plenty that we don't know yet. There's plenty of stuff that we haven't even watched yet for this show. To be fair, so it's all it's all a wonderful adventure. Oh yeah. <laughs> Happy to have you on for it. Um, Like, right off the bat, I know you have a background with Spider-Man, and I know you have a background with Spider-Man 67, this particular show. So what is that? What's what's your what's your background history with Spider-Man and this cartoon in particular? Uh, I grew up in, in Philadelphia, and this uh, show was kind of actually my – this and the Electric Company were my first introduction to Spider-Man. 
local channel that used to be here, Channel 48, would show the cartoon. And they would show it at, like, the weirdest times, like, at 6.30 in the morning on weekends. <laughs> and uh, it was just, you know, I, I stumbled upon it, and I had some very basic familiarity with Spider-Man, but I became a fan because of the show. And uh, so I knew this cartoon before I knew the comics, which is kind of a weird way to get into Spider-Man. And uh, I just, you know, there's a lot from a, from a kid's perspective that is uh, really interesting about the show. The colors are very, uh, you know, especially in the later seasons when, uh, when Ralph Bakshi took over, the colors are very eye catching. Uh, The character designs are so inconsistent and the animation (laughs) was always like there was something off about it and something that seemed wrong. And then I just realized, Oh no, it's Canadian. Uh, and, um, <laughs> Canada, I love you. That was a joke. And it's, it, it, it just kind of, it, it really captivated me and the stories are fun and they're often nonsensical. Uh, my favorite episode of the show, and I'm going to insist on coming back when you get to it is Blotto in which a uh, mad scientist creates this basically like this blob ripoff character who just starts eating the entirety of New York city and the world is threatened and the physics of it make no sense whatsoever. Uh, And it's just so completely like shithouse bonkers that it kind of, to me represents what the show is. And, you know, the third season I talk about a lot because that's when Ralph, back she took over and they reused animations from other shows like uh, rocket robin hood mm-hmm. and incorporated spidey into these pre-existing shows and it got really psychedelic and really dark and just super strange so i love that about the show i love the music both the ray ellis compositions for the show and the uh the kind of spider jazz um i'm, I'm obsessed with the music so like there's so much about this show that i I absolutely love it is my favorite cartoon of all time. Uh, my second favorite cartoon happens to be Spider-Man is amazing friends. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's just, there, there is so much about this show that it's over 50 years old and it's still really entertaining, even though, you know, obviously a lot of it's dated. You see that it was kind of cheaply produced, but entertainment value, it can't be beat. And I watch it now and not only, do I get that kind of warm feeling of nostalgia from it? But I also get like the sense that this is a really important part of comic history because it was like one of the first Marvel cartoons. I forget if this aired before like the Submariner, Captain America, Hulk, Iron Man cartoons. I know it was the same animation studio and roughly around the same time, but it was in many ways, my kind of introduction to the world of superheroes uh, like this in Super Friends. So, I mean, it even if the show was garbage, it would have a warm place in my heart. But the fact that I think it's really genuinely fun and has this almost this sense of like quirky mischief to it at, <laughs> at, at sometimes, which we'll get into with the episodes today. But there's a lot of weirdness that goes on in this show. And to me, that's just all part of the charm. So I'm uh, I'm just a massive, massive fan of this series and i'm so glad that you guys are tackling it now yeah yeah i us too i think <laughs> yeah i i'm glad to finally get to it and i'm so glad that we're able to get you on um for like early as we cover this especially because 
I'm effectively watching this stuff for the first time, and I know that at least some of our guests will also be. So it's nice to have like a mix of folks um, who either have never seen it or folks like you who are like, no, this is it. Like, this is the stuff, you know? Like, it's nice to get a good, good like array and spectrum of folks to talk about this, like you said, 50-year-old show. <laughs> you have a lot of magic ahead of you, too, because it is, in a lot of ways, three different shows. Each season, it's a little different, with the third season being so completely different. They do just, there's a lot of really wild things, a lot of inexplicable choices. I've, I think... I've, it's Mysterio. So they have the, uh, I, I'll just, just to quickly illustrate again why I love the show so much. They'll do an episode where it's like the regular comic book Mysterio. And I think they have the the comic book Mysterio twice. And then I believe it's in the third season. There's another character who's just this like shitty magician. And <laughs> it has nothing to do with like Quentin Beck, but he, he is also presented as Mysterio, but it has nothing to do with like the canon Mysterio that we know and love. And you're just like, was this just one of the episodes where they were reusing animation from Rocket Robin Hood or, you know, and they threw Spider-Man in or what was the thinking going on behind this? You know, like how much drugs were ingested <laughs> and it's just such a treat to like the, the show is constantly surprising viewers and then they'll do something like uh, they'll they'll do an origin episode which is really faithful to the comic so you know it's not just completely off-brand spidey throughout this and i mean that that's my love for it and that's not even getting into how this show spawned a billion memes which i'm sure you guys have touched upon and yeah. that i that just fills me with such nerd glee as well <laughs> yeah. that's that's a thing that that it bums me out so much about this show is that there aren't really that many like interviews or anything out there about it. Like this is of honestly of all the shows that we've covered, this is the one that I feel like I would most want to pick the brains of like every single human who worked on it. Just to yeah. be like, how did, how did this happen exactly? You know, in some cases, like why, why this, why did you choose to do it this way? Or like, what, how, like, where did this come from? And, you know, we'll just never know. I think for, for a lot of stuff, because it's not documented anywhere. There used to be a really, it, unfortunately, it's not online anymore, and I don't know if the inter Internet Archive saved it or not, but there's actually a website called, of all things, Walloping Web Snappers, <laughs> and uh, it was dedicated strictly to the 67 cartoon, and it had pretty much all the information that ever existed about the show, which, again, is not that much, unfortunately. Uh, a lot of the stuff was lost to time, but they had a few interviews with Paul Souls, who voiced Peter Parker's Spider-Man, uh, mm -hmm. some production information, some information about Ray Ellis's music. But one of the uh, the kind of ongoing alluring things about the show to me is the air of mystery that survived, that kind of wraps around its its production. I don't know, other than budgetary issues, you know, how this show was came into being, why it changed so much over the years. Yeah, absolutely. I want to, I will, I'm making a note of that uh, website to see if I can track it down somewhere, if it's archived somewhere. Cause I'm very curious if there's, if there's some other fun tidbits that we could work into our podcast from that. Cause I didn't come across it in any of my research, but yeah, yeah. I would love to know a lot of that production stuff too, because I mean, you kind of alluded to this Chris, but like, it's just I want to know how they decided which episodes would be faithful to the comics, which ones wouldn't, where they would tell new stories, where they would adapt old stories, because we just did a Mysterio episode and it basically was Mysterio's first appearance. 
but then you know the the first episode of the show is doc ock and it's it's like nothing that i've i've read in those first five years you know it's it, it really is just interesting to me because like spider-man I, more than like I, I i think rival only by batman in terms of his great rogues gallery of, of villains even early on he had so many kind of yeah instantly iconic villains yep. but like yeah. they get really kind of shafted in the show green goblin was i think one maybe two episodes mary jane appears in one uh one episode um <laughs> it's really kind of strange how they uh i think gwen stacy's ignored completely it's very odd to me how they, you know, like 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 you were saying, uh, Doug, how they picked, you know, what goes on and what doesn't, and just the rhyme or reason to it. And I, I guess that stuff's kind of lost the time, but I mean, it, it doesn't diminish its charm by any stretch. Yeah. If anything, it might actually add to it because you can only wonder, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I'm a person who is very into like the world's mysteries, like Bigfoot and D.B. Cooper. And so I'll throw this I'll throw this along. <laughs> that. Like, why did you know, how did they pick the amazing library music that they picked? You know, how come there has never been an official Spider-Man soundtrack to the show? You know, and what happened to the library cues? What happened to, you know, the Ray Ellis songs? A lot of that stuff has been resurfaced over the past couple of years, but a lot of the music from this show is still just completely lost and uh i know there's so i mean the the music to this cartoon arguably has as much if not bigger of a fan base than the cartoon itself which is another fascinating area about the show yeah yeah i mean for good reason like i feel like that's an oh, arguable yeah. thing about it is that the music's really good <laughs> great stuff great stuff uh it's a good show for listeners, we say this in every episode, but we'll we'll kind of move into into our first segment here. If you want to watch along, it's not streaming anywhere outside of uh, well, it's not streaming anywhere legally, so you can certainly find it on the internet, just not in a legal platform. Um, it is on DVD as well, but they're kind of hard to find and expensive because it's out of print. But would recommend if you can find it somewhere. If you know how to tube. Um... <laughs> on the computer you might be able to find it someplace <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it's archived on the internet somewhere. yeah <clears throat> as someone yeah. who who motions on the daily i can <laughs> say that if you search you can find it online yeah <laughs> yeah but why is this not on disney plus that's I, that's a lot of bullshit yeah. Another That's the mystery. question that has come up so many times because it doesn't seem to make any sense why it wouldn't be. I don't it understand what no the legal issue It makes no sense whatsoever, and it needs to be. Yeah, yeah, it's baffling. All right, so let's dive into this first segment, shall we? This is Spider-Man 67, Season 1, Episode 4, the first segment of Episode 4, entitled The Sky is Falling. The synopsis for this episode, per me, is The Vulture Tries to Reenact Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds. <laughs> The original air date was September 30th, 1967. And as you probably expect, our highlighted character for this segment is Vulture, or in a similar style to, as they called the lizard, the lizard man, perhaps the vulture man. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And uh, also similar to the lizard, uh, Vulture is voiced by Gilly Fenwick, uh, who we know as the lizard and Kurt Connors. So we've mentioned him a few times. Uh, No need to get into his credits again so we actually can just dive right in to the summary for this episode so 
This segment opens with Jameson lecturing Peter about the evils of money. <laughs> when he's interrupted by a flock of vultures and the vulture wreaking havoc outside, Peter quickly leaves to suit up and confront the vulture who reveals his helmet has a sonic hypnotism device that allows him to control the flock of vultures. After knocking Spider-Man on his ass, a vulture leads his flock to City Hall, where he plans to coerce the mayor into giving him $2 million in cash. Uh, which would be a huge, enormous amount of money uh, in 1967. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the last mm -hmm. money we saw referenced was like $100. <laughs> <laughs> well, at the Bugle, a black-eyed Peter, uh, temporarily black-eyed, that doesn't maintain throughout the whole episode. It also uh, doesn't make any difference or matter no. or anything. <laughs> no, totally inconsequential. Um, but a black-eyed Peter gets into a brief argument over Spider-Man's involvement in the kerfuffle, and Jameson dismisses him to get photos of Vulture's damage to the city. When news spreads that Vulture's demands are not to be met by the mayor, he continues his assault on the city with his flock. Spidey clashes with him at a construction site, and Vulture comes out on top a second time and escapes when he uses a crane to demolish much of the site. After reporting back to Jameson, Peter is inspired by the news that the Bugle's window washers refuse to work for fear of being attacked by the Vulture. Understandable. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he suits up and stations himself on the washer's scaffolding, and sure enough, Vulture attacks, and after Spider-Man is beaten a third time, Peter learns from Jameson that the mayor has caved and will agree to Vulture's terms. It didn't even occur to me until you've been reading this that Vulture, like, kicks his ass three times and they still yeah. have to clash again it <laughs> yep yep i'm telling you we I, I was picking up on this pattern and it is delivering in both of these segments <laughs> Wild. yeah i mean Sp spidey he really does uh get his ass kicked throughout both segments in this episode yep. and it's it's a you know it, it, it just shows spidey is it every man he's relatable he, he <laughs> you know if i could quote chumbawamba uh and god help me i'm going to he gets knocked down. Does he get up again? He does. <laughs> oh, my god! I'm gosh. sorry, guys. Uh, I'll Powerful. go now. <laughs> nah, man. That song's great. <laughs> it's, a, it's a jam. It's a, it's a bop for, for sure. <laughs> well, disguised as an officer to deliver the money, Spider-Man meets Vulture at the top of the Empire State Building. They clash a fourth time, but this time Spider-Man feigns defeat in order to attach to Vulture, a gadget that neutralizes Vulture's hypnotizing helmet. Spidey finally defeats Vulture by goading him into calling his flock, which, in their disorientation, or reprogramming maybe, rehypnotization, unclear, attack Vulture instead of Spider-Man. Horrifying. Ends. Horrifying. <laughs> Horrifying. It's getting, yeah. He gets mauled by those things. Yeah. <laughs> That you, you referenced the birds. That's why that movie is horrifying. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> and this episode ends at the Daily Bugle where Spider-Man delivers the $2 million to Jameson for some reason with a note. And in a panicked frenzy, Jameson mistakes it for the vulture. So this episode, guys, well, <laughs> where do we want to start? You don't even mention that, that the $2 million were two $1 million bills. Yes. <laughs> <That> is... <laughs> Chef kiss, everyone. Uh, that is uh, delightful. I'll tell you what I, I find interesting about it's something that happens in the first season that I think goes away in later seasons is how they have like the little beat before the title card. And in this one, you, you mentioned it, Doug, how Jameson is just 
browbeating Peter about money for no reason whatsoever. Yeah. Like, it's it's kind of sweet in a way that like you know, Jameson is almost playing this like father figure to Peter and like, you, know, like, you kids, you got to save your money, you know, and but at the same point, like he's a total dick because he doesn't pay Spider-Man anything. He doesn't pay Peter very much money. Uh, <laughs> and, and you get the feeling like Pete just came in the hand in some pictures or something. And suddenly this became like a, a tirade about yeah. uh, about money. And his, his tire, his, his like, like, I, I agree with you that it's like, oh, it's kind of like a fatherly thing. Like, I like when Jameson is fatherly to Peter, but the, like, advice he's giving him, it's just like, all you can do with money is spend it, which, yeah, that's, a, that's what money's for. It's a fact. And then yeah. that somehow makes it a bad influence. Like, it doesn't make any sense. And Peter's just like, <laughs> yes, Mr. Jameson. <laughs> and then the scene just ends and the title card comes up and it's like, okay, cool. You know, uh, <laughs> It, I, I also have that, like, I loved, like, Peter Peter's excuses for why he has the black eye. Um, I don't know if they were doing, like, social commentary on domestic violence or what they were doing, but uh, he his first excuse that he tells Betty Brant is that he fell out of an airplane, which, um, Peter, what? what yeah, are I don't you, get it. <laughs> what are you saying? You know, and then later he tells... Uh, I think Jameson that he ran a foul, no foul weather, which I you know birds and fa- but there were no chickens here, so it doesn't <laughs> it, you know it doesn't really like the, the puns don't work, and there is like a pun off like yeah. towards the in, in the episode at one point where it's just like these jokes don't really work, like and I'm not someone I don't shit all over puns, you know I I, I think they have their place and especially in a cartoon, but there's some bad bad <laughs> puns well, that are going on like there's like puns that are like funny because of how bad they are and then yeah. there are puns that are just like non nonsense like the like i can almost get the foul weather one like i don't think it's a good and i don't think it's bad enough to be funny but i can sort of get the right. logic the airplane one it's like wait i because the vulture flies and airplanes also is also fly. Is that what you're going for? But that doesn't like that right. one's just too out there to make no, any sense. <laughs> you guys, he's just ahead of the Spidey strategy game. He was he was jumping out of out of flying vehicles a decade before Jessica Drew did it every episode. Oh, oh yeah, there you go. <laughs> he knew what was up. I love it. Deep cut. Deep cut. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do. Um, I am a fan of. Uh, well, th- this show just and the Marvel universe in general just loves its alliteration. So you have Vulture like you spiteful spider, and it's just oh okay, cool. But uh, you know, Spidey gets to. Uh, my favorite favorite thing about this episode is Spidey gets to have disguises in this episode. Yeah, uh, he has two disguises. The first being when he's a window washer and his disguises, he just has the squeegee. He's just standing out there with the squeegee. Like, I'm correct. He's just in a Spider-Man suit, right? He doesn't have overalls at that point. Am I, yeah. is that, am I right yeah. on that? Okay. Yeah. And that's his, that is his costume. And then Vulture comes on up to him and he's just like, oh, and then he, then he realizes he doesn't immediately see it's Spider-Man. He has to realize that it's Spider-Man. And then later, Spider-Man goes to deliver the $2 million, which again are two $1 million bills that Spider-Man handles with like a complete lack of delicacy. Uh, He is just like 
clutching these things, swinging through the air. It's amazing they didn't just fall into the streets below. But, uh, you know, so he he's taken this money and he just has this like Michael Myers, like jumpsuit with his Spider-Man outfit, like sticking out of it and, and the mask. And it's <laughs> it, it's just so silly and and delightful. And I love that about this episode uh, that, you know, it's it's a fairly basic episode. Um, Spidey just gets his ass kicked and then saves the day. It's it's fantastic. Yeah. Spectacular, I, some might say. Spectacular, Ooh. even, yes. Um, I am immediately here for any time Spider-Man is wearing a costume or even part of a costume over his suit, whether it's so like in this episode or it's like the fire hat, like fireman hat and like Amazing Spider-Man 2. Anytime he puts on anything over his suit, I'm immediately charmed. Yeah. But yeah, this this is another episode where he kind of takes a bunch of swings and then pretty quickly wraps things up after after they fit in a few failures. Uh it's definitely sort of the the pattern this show likes to take and it hasn't done it every time so like there are some some you know they mix it up every once in a while but uh but yeah, this is another another one of those which we started to clock I think a couple episodes ago. <laughs> yeah. There's also that great scene where I think it's even like a commercial cliffhanger. Revolter just drops him. Oh my gosh. Plummeting to his death. And then they go to the commercial. Traumatizing. One thing I love about this show is that it's willing to do these like really long shots, even though it fully is incapable of doing them in a detailed way. I love it. So you just end up with this tiny little silhouette of an ant-sized spider-man in this super wide shot i love it they've done it a couple Mm -hmm. times and i love it so much it's so good yeah i love how formidable the vulture is in this too like he i mean we said it already like he kicks spider-man's ass over and over again and Mm -hmm. doesn't really have to break a sweat like he's pretty with him like controlling those creepy birds like he's legit scary in this episode it's it's kind of intense and like the the ever-present like grin that he has on his face his voice acting is really fun. Like, even though he kind of sounds like he's constipated all the time, like it's really, it's, it's, it's really fun. <laughs> I don't know. They, I feel like like considering Vulture can be boring if you don't do him right. Like, I don't know. They made him kind of an intense, like one of the more intense villains that we've seen so far in this show. What really interests me about that in this episode is that they add the flock of birds, which is undeniably terrifying. It's obviously a reference to the birds, um, but at this point in the comics, Vulture already was one of his most formidable opponents simply because he could fly. So it's so funny to me that even in the context of him being one of the more formidable opponents, and I believe at this point, like having been replaced by like a younger sprier guy um, as like a legacy villain almost, it's so interesting to me that they were like, let's make him even scarier by giving him a hundred birds. <laughs> <laughs> And also, apparently, like, even stupider than his comic book counterpart, because Spider-Man, when he goes to uh, turn off his, like, mind-bird controlling device, that the, he basically, this, this anti-bird, the, the, the device that Spider-Man drops on the Vulture's head is the size of a brick. Yep. And, and Vulture does not feel it at all, which is just so wonderful that like if someone dropped a brick on your head you would probably feel it like you know <laughs> uh but not not vulture and I, I do want to mention too uh in terms of like there's a great moment there's a paper boy who is just uh talking about how uh spidey is teaming up with the vulture man and that's paul soul's 
basically doing his Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer voice. Oh. <laughs> it's the exact same voice that he used for Rudolph. And I really was, uh, I, I, I was like, oh, that's really sweet. Like, I, you know, uh, we need a voice for this kid. Okay, I got one. And uh, <laughs> I think this is after Rudolph. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it, it was nice to, nice to hear that fun little like Rudolph vocal character. Uh, that's so funny. Yeah, I do like that. Yeah, <laughs> I I did. I I don't really even have a have like a an insight on this. I just think it's interesting that Vulture's catchphrase is "Nobody can beat a man with wings," which he doesn't necessarily disprove. I don't know right. that I necessarily get it, but it's like, all right, dude, more more power to you. I guess. Yeah. that's that's a mantra to have. Sure, why not? <laughs> they just they they just couldn't fathom people flying i guess like i just i don't know like he's he's so obsessed with that in the show and in the comics it's like this sort of like oh my gosh he can fly <laughs> which is weird because like goblin does too and nobody comments on it <laughs> <laughs> and like the, the vulture is like really really strong in this he is definitely formidable like he pushes spider-man like basically a few stories down to the ground mm-hmm. and, and you know, like it's like, Oh God. Okay. He just killed Spider-Man, but you know, Spidey gets up the, the next second, but like he's, he's pretty badass in this episode between all the creepy bird stuff. And uh, just, mm-hmm. <laughs> he's just beating the crap out of Spidey every chance he gets. Like he is, you know, I mean, he's, he's a fantastic villain until he isn't. And yeah. uh, which is a, which is a trend that the show enjoys quite a bit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That moment when he, when he, like, towards the end, I think this is like fight number four or something, when he um, punches Spider Man and Spider Man, like, flies across the screen and into a wall. Before I realized that he, like, took the punch on purpose, I was like, oh, my God. Like, this is the most brutal hit we've seen so far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Honestly, like, the only thing that I, that kind of bugged me about this episode. And it's only in the context of, of what we've been watching for the podcast so far. So only a few segments. I feel like this is like the ugliest looking episode that we've seen so far. <laughs> um, even, you know, on the curve of this show, you know, you expect like a certain particular level. It's just like, I don't know. Uh, the Like I, I love when stuff is off model and everything. But in this one, the animation itself was just really felt like even shakier and clunkier than normal, even for this show. Um, it's very sloppy, especially the birds, yeah. which are just like birds and then full on vultures, uh, yeah. you know, from one second to the next. It's yeah, it, it is definitely some, some corners were cut in this episode. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting too, because they have a character who's flying around. Isn't, isn't like bound by gravity or having to interact with a floor or anything like that. You know, he's basically just floating on the screen um, and they still, yeah, I think to me, that's where it stood out the most because it should have been smoother or they should have had more freedom and it felt like they were tied to something that wasn't there. Yeah. If if this was like on the animation level of even just of just the Mysterio episode from right before this, I think it would have been a really cool, a really cool looking one just because they have all the flying battles and yeah. the birds and everything. Yeah. Those airborne battles have so much potential. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> One thing I think is notable is we're we're getting and I know these these episodes might not have necessarily been written in any particular order, especially the order in which they're released. I don't know how that all shakes out, but we are seeing this sort of like ramping up, especially with the next segment of 
J. Jonah Jameson as like a primary antagonist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's, it really tickles me <laughs> because some shows don't have that antagonistic J. Jonah Jameson and some shows don't have him at all. So it's like kind of nice uh, to see this extreme version of him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so funny to see how prominent he is in this show. Like he really is the second lead. <laughs> yeah. Well, oh yeah. See, see how long that lasts. Spoiler oh. alert. Oh boy. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, I'll okay. enjoy it while it lasts then. <laughs> As I said, this is like three very different shows. Uh, yeah. By the time it, it wraps up. Yeah. With the, with, by, the, by the time, I mean, you get to a revolt in the fifth dimension, you're going to be like, what am I watching? Uh, I can't wait. So, I'm yeah, so excited. It's, yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah, I like very much appreciate the space that this season is occupying and that it's, you know, it's 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 largely telling comic and comic adjacent stories um, like at the time that Spider-Man is like blowing up. But I also very much look forward to the absolute psychedelic mess that will be the future of this series, <laughs> which isn't to say, you know, and the, and the thing the thing that's kind of surprising too, like and then out of nowhere, the third season will have a very very uh kind of straight from the comics episode out of nowhere so it's it's kind of that all over the placeness that really uh that really will will excite you as as the series pro- the series progresses gotta keep you on your toes Love it. <laughs> um, the only other note that I had for this episode uh, is that Vulture says, I'm your daddy, and I'll probably get a screen cap that. And just want to put that up. Wonderful. <laughs> any other any other stray notes from this one, uh, Chris? No, just um I, I, I do like how they just basically destroyed this construction site and oh, Spidey, yeah. oh my gosh like, that's I right totally it. you know he's he's totally denying like his involvement to jameson but like spidey destroyed that site just as much as the vulture did like they, they both wreaked some havoc on this damn poor construction site <laughs> <laughs> These animators really did not want to acknowledge how an I-beam works because those things snap right in half. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's a good thing that this battle happened because if that building uh-huh. was built, it would not have lasted long. That would have been a tragedy. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. A single bird runs into that building and the whole thing falls over. Yeah, it's 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 definitely they, they definitely do not have a grasp of how physics work on this series. <laughs> No, no. <laughs> well, we always like to highlight some fun faces or frames. Um, and, you know, I mentioned that J. Jonah Jameson gets a lot of focus in these two segments. It also gets a lot of good faces. So a couple faces from this one specifically. There are two really, I, I just found them fascinating. Two frames that are just, it's just Peter against a solid background. And then just Jameson centered on a background of the city. One of them is is Peter looking very much like a Romita Peter, but just like, incredibly tired like bags <laughs> under his eyes like half awake and i'm not hard even seeing really peter <laughs> for real yeah no like relatable for sure but i'm not even sure that they really acknowledge if he's supposed to be tired or not like you can deduce that but it's not made a point of so you just have this like tired uninterested almost like just like high looking peter uh <laughs> half listening to jameson the frame is focused on for like a solid like second of 
of screen time. It's it's really something else. I think this is the frame that they use when they first uh, when like Jameson or Betty or whoever first points out like they want the two million dollars in two million dollar bills. And then Peter just blinks with that face for like two solid yep. seconds silently. And then they cut away from him again. Exactly which is like when this is. I mean, the correct reaction to that, I would think, you know, <laughs> it's just so funny because based on the pace and the animation of this series it's hard to tell if they're doing a deadpan joke moment like a like is this supposed to be like a camera stare like it i it it ends up being that but it's it's like funny because you never truly know if that's what they're going for (laughs) probably isn't but i want to believe that it is so i'm gonna choose to believe that it was like an an office stare (laughs) it works that way regardless you know (laughs) and then the other one is one of these moments where they just don't care about character models because they don't really have them uh and this is jameson's uh scared of the vulture returning face uh his eyes get huge his mouth gets huge and he is just a terrified boy, uh, and it is very funny to me. <laughs> yeah, this is also the first episode that I realized that they Jameson has red eyes. Yep. Yep. It's a choice. <laughs> They're definitely working with like a limited color palette, and I think this was their way of doing brown. But there are colors sure. even in the background of this very shot that would have worked better than this like blood red. <laughs> Which is consistent. He continues to have that color eye. It's just very noticeable when his eyes are the size of saucers. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, amazing friends. We just wanted to take a quick moment to thank our spectacular enough patrons, Bo, Eric, Steve, Carl, Katie, Mike, and Lillian. If you would like to support our show too, our way of saying thanks is by giving you lots of cool Spidey goodies. You'll have early access to all our episodes, including our AMAs, where we answer your burning questions about anything and everything. And we mean everything. If you join us at our $5 spectacular level, you get to hear us let loose and talk about wackier stuff in our After Dark commentaries or our movie commentaries, where we watch every single Spidey-related theatrical film, from the Raimi films to Amazing Spider-Man to Spider-Verse, Venom, Avengers Endgame, and more. And at our amazing tier, we'll invite you to be a guest on our show. That's right, you. You all make our show better, whether it's by sending us Word Snappers words, making us fan art, joining our Discord community, or just listening to us every week. This is our way of saying thank you for supporting this show and inspiring us to dip into media even we didn't realize was on our radar. Whatever tier you opt into, thank you so much. Whether you're an avid listener or just stopping by, we appreciate you. From your friendly neighborhood podcasters, thank you. Cool. Well, let's move on to the second segment of this episode. The episode's entitled, Captured by J. Jonah Jameson. The synopsis for me is, Spider-Man is pursued by Jameson and a robot. (laughs) Robot. Robot. As they pronounce it. Yes, and I did have that in my notes, just robot. uh, Yes. Because I'm a big fan of when the word robot Mm -hmm. is pronounced robot. Not going to lie, when, when we were planning out who was going to be on what episode, I was like, oh, I'm going to make sure that Chris is on the episode where they say robot a lot. <laughs> yeah, so on, on my Sci-Fi Explosion show, uh, I get much, much joy out of whenever anyone says the word robot. 
<laughs> okay, well, I'm going to ask you. Every single person a... does on this episode. I love it. Well, that's <laughs> a, I, I, I'm going to because this has now been brought up. I want to ask you before we even get into it. This robot ha- was just pronounced that way for a while. It seems <laughs> like literally everyone says that. Is there historical context you can provide for why everyone says robot? <laughs> I have no clue, and like I have friends, some of whom have been on my show, who just pronounce it as robot. And I found that I think it is a Canadian and a Midwest thing. Oh, um, that would check out. Because I mean, the everyone I know who says robot is from the Midwest. And whenever I hear it on a TV show or something, it's always Canadian produced. So maybe some of the listeners can uh, write in and shed more light on that. I am a massive fan of it, so I am not ill <laughs> of this pronunciation. It delights me. It's just one of those silly things in life that I'm just like, yeah, I'll call it a robot. Uh, I love that. <laughs> well now i must know i must learn more <laughs> yeah exactly there's so much mystery that surrounds this cartoon it's yes yeah. yeah. it is like a nesting doll of amazement that's yes. what the show is and i love robots when they're piloted by jameson chasing after oh, spider-man God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so many delightful pronunciations Here's the question, though: is the uh, is is the robot actually Jameson or is it AI? Because there's some real confusion as to how this robot works, and like I, I want to know. There, there are, are absolutely questions there in this are. episode that are not answered. That's for sure. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's let's get to the episode here. We have one character to highlight. This is Henry Smythe, the predecessor to the Smythes that we hear a whole lot more about in future iterations of the comics and the TV show, none of which are named Henry. But this is clearly the proto-Smythe and the proto-Slayer situation here. So uh, this is Henry Smythe, voiced by Henry Raymer. Um, He's a Romanian-born Canadian stage actor and radio personality primarily, but obviously does some voiceover work. That Marvel superhero show that you mentioned, Chris, has a lot of folks uh, from this show, uh, lots of crossover. And this guy provided voices for Doctor Doom, Mandarin, and some others on that show. That's fantastic. Yeah. So, this episode opens, or this segment of this episode opens, with Spider-Man taking a picture of a strange robot that was clearly attempting to follow and capture him. Uh, this is confirmed when a human face on the robot's head says to itself that with some minor adjustments, he'll be able to capture Spider-Man and strike a deal with Jameson. <laughs> The next day, just as Jameson is dismissing Peter's picture of the robot, a man named Henry Smythe enters the bugle with the robot and attempts to sell Jameson on the robot. Peter rejects the notion that it could catch Spider-Man, but quickly changes his tune when Smythe says it can detect Spider-Man's presence. So Peter hastily leaves, and with the added bonus of being able to display his face on the robot that will capture Spider-Man, Jameson is convinced. And almost immediately after activating the robot, it picks up on Peter's trail, and the hunt for Spider-Man begins. I just, I, I the way that this is going, if, if anyone's listening to this and hasn't, seen the episode or seen screencasts of the episode, the way you're going to be reading all of this, it's going to sound like it's like a Terminator riff or something. And I don't think that anyone <laughs> could be possibly prepared 
for like how the <laughs> robot moves and what it actually looks like. <laughs> the robot, uh, the robot in this episode looks like if Grimace and like the purple Teletubby like uh-huh. were fused together in like the Brundle flying like <laughs> yeah moment of bullshit. Like it's, it's just beautiful. and it was given pigtails. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's the most. It, it is probably the least scary robot that's ever been in pop culture. It's amazing. And like recognize that like that's like similar to how the original Spider Slayer in the comics kind of uh-huh. looked, but yeah. they still somehow made it look dopier and made it walk and move in the so, silliest way yeah. possible. And it's the just least so funny. fluid animation ever. <laughs> it's it tickles just so me. unnatural. What's so funny about so it is like the the robot it's based on rolls around and you can see that this robot design has wheels or like like some sort of wheel like thing <laughs> but they choose to have it waddle around like a penguin which I appreciate because it's adorable it tickles me so much <laughs> but it's such a baffling choice so you just have to keep that in mind as Doug's reading this intense terminator tale of a robot chasing down oh Spider-Man God. and nearly destroying him it it that's it does not look cool at all. It is the least cool thing ever made in the history of the world. How dare! But I love it. <laughs> hey. Especially for such a threatening like creation, because yeah, he, this the, like for some reason like I I mean this would be Spider Slayer has spider Spidey sense. We don't know how, and it's never explained, but it has Spidey <laughs> sense. It is able to like basically track down Peter Parker, you know, and and it's you know wow, uh, and again. None of this, we don't know how it happens, but yeah. uh, it's it's a pretty menacing character who looks ridiculous. <laughs> yep. Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, in no time, the robot does find Peter because, again, it can sense Spider-Man. But before it can identify him as Spider-Man, Peter dips into an alley and suits up. The robot's pursuit takes them up the sides of buildings and across rooftops, and it ultimately ends after a failed attempt by Spider-Man to escape underwater, because of course this robot is also waterproof. (laughs) As the robot begins to restrain Spidey, Betty unplugs Jameson's monitor by pretending to trip, gets sent home, and frustrated by the whole ordeal, calls the police to intervene. The hero of the story, the real hero of the story, <laughs> or at least like tries to be the real hero of the story. She tries. She definitely tries. <laughs> I appreciate so great it. In this, and like, she's so like, I, I, I mean, all I could think about is how much the animation of Betty in this episode remind me of Joan on Mad Men. Like, it's just very <laughs> much like that kind of style. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I just I, I, I just love how Betty is the uh, how first off, I just love the fact that Betty's in this cartoon, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. you know, and uh, kind of an unsung early Spider-Man player. Uh, and, you know, she she definitely is the uh, the hero of this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I am very fascinated by their choice to include her in this episode. I definitely know why based on th- this is another one of those stories that's like pretty much ripped from the comics but they leave out so much because it's only 11 minutes. And I think this might have been like one of the first two-parters that they did like early on in yeah. in Spidey's career. Or if it wasn't a like actually a two-parter, it had elements that carried over between issues, which they didn't really do because it was like the first year or something. So there's definitely stuff missing. And they very easily could have just completely excised Betty's role. But I love that they, without really explaining why she's doing anything she's doing... Uh, still kind of have that detail in there based on what she does in the comics. (laughs) 
I mean, I think it worked. I'm I'm okay with it because it's sort of like Jameson's acting like a madman, <laughs> like right now, and it's just like, yeah, what he's doing seems objectively evil. And I feel like even the way, even though Betty isn't necessarily Spider-Man's biggest fan in this uh, show, it's like mm, I feel like she's gonna not want Jameson to murder this guy. Like, <laughs> I think that's fair. Yeah, Jameson's yeah, totally being a dick like, and she doesn't appreciate it. Ex- that, that's exactly what I was, was going to say. She's just like, this is just so unnecessary. I'm not having it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the brief moments that the monitor was off due to Betty, Spider-Man manages to escape. So thank you, Betty. Uh, but he's quickly found back in the city by the robot. Fatigued from the chase, Spider-Man slams into a nearby clock tower when he tries to swing away, allowing the <laughs> robot to re- allowing the robot to restrain him a second time. So there's your <laughs> strike number two. Excited at his victory and eager to unmask Spider-Man, Jameson rushes with Smythe to the robot's location. This does require him to step away from his console and his monitor, though. So recognizing that the lack of Jameson's face on the robot must mean that Jameson has stepped away to find Spider-Man, Spidey opens up the robot's control panel, begins pulling wires, um, and then it kind of cuts away. You're just sort of like left with, oh, what did, what is he doing with the wires? When Jameson and Smythe arrive, Jameson does unmask Spider-Man, but discovers that the suit is full of webs and not full of a person. <laughs> Smythe is like, Mr. Jameson, what did you do to his head? Like, did he think that he ripped his head completely off? <laughs> Smythe uh, hasn't hasn't interacted with humans in a while, it seems. I would just, have much preferred it if they thought, like, that Spidey was a robot, too, like, at this point, And, like, yeah. he could have been, like, freaked out, like, oh, my God. Oh, that would have been great. Did anybody else know that Spider-Man was a robot? <laughs> <laughs> well, the episode ends at the Bugle where Peter learns that Jameson has taken the rest of the week off after being foiled because, as Betty puts it, he was stung by a spider. Which is not a thing that spiders do, I don't think. No, I've but, never okay. heard of a spider that stings, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, I guess it doesn't okay. have quite the same punch if, if she said he was bit by a spider. You know? He fell out of an airplane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. All right. Well, there are lots of places to start oh with this God. one, I think. So where do we want to go? <laughs> I don't even know. Can we just discuss the uh, the robot's periscope for a minute? Please. That was my favorite moment. Spidey, <laughs> it, Spidey goes into, uh, I guess it's the Hudson, and and he's he's swimming away, and uh, he he gets out, and he thinks he's free, and then the uh, the robot reveals a, a a periscope, and he's been tracking Spider-Man the whole time, and he does this whole like bear hug, crush of death mm-hmm. on Spidey mm-hmm. that Spidey barely gets away from, and that's when you know Betty kicks the cord out and saves the day. Yes. Um, but I just I, I mean, my my big question is, how does this Spider-Man robot work? Because it had like Smythe's face at first and then like it just had Jameson's face and personality. And, you know, like, how does this A.I. work? And and I, I you know, I know it's a children's cartoon, but I need a little bit of an explanation. that's what fascinates me about the segment is because they have this isn't one that they like cooked up from their imagination right so like they have source material they kind of have all the explanations they could need at their fingertips so it's like interesting to me which which details they left out and which ones they didn't because you know in this one i don't remember exactly how they describe it but i think he just says like it can track spider-man or it can track spiders Mm -hmm. right um 
in in the comic it's specifically like oh this thing can detect spider dna right which peter's then able to take advantage of obviously they don't get into all that but they still could have just dropped a you know spider dna yada yeah. yada you know like it's funny because there's so many quick little things they could have included i don't know if they were just like relying on people to know those things or if they just were like eh, like you said kids cartoon robot funny yeah <laughs> i do like how like watching this episode like i i re-watched it this afternoon and i'm like did i did i like get hit on the head with like a brick and not really because i felt like <laughs> semi-concussed while watching it and like but i also like like that feeling because i'm like what the hell is gonna happen next because mm-hmm. the, the thing I'm, I'm just like why did spider-man just take the time to like waste one of his suits and did he go home naked you know he, he, he wastes <laughs> one of his suits to stuff with like webbing and like Wasted you know, a lot of his webbing for that too yeah so it's just it's it's it wasn't that like Spidey. We're not really seeing him at his best in the two segments in this episode tonight. Oh no, he gets no. defeated like seven times. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like this is like early Spidey. Yeah, and like nothing that he like comes up with is particular. I mean, he comes up with a device in the first segment at the very least. In this one, it's just pure luck that n- yeah. s- that no one's watching for long enough for him to rip the guts out of the robot. Like, yeah. I- <laughs> like he doesn't really get to do anything really clever or creative. And then he, you know, fills his suit with webbing and then leaves naked. I guess, which it's like I don't. Okay, not the best look for you, but buddy. But all right. Yeah, <laughs> but you know what I appreciate about this segment, and I think it's probably incidental, but I appreciate it anyway. This mm-hmm. show isn't especially great at tension building, <laughs> so the fact that this segment surprised me multiple times, I really did like. Like you mentioned the yeah. periscope thing, I fully thought Spider-Man got away by going underwater, mm-hmm. and then it's like, oh no, horror movie moment. He's right behind you. I was like, shocked I fully that the wasn't expecting could swim. that, so I was very into it. Yeah, yeah, fully. It's like fun. that robot's amazing. They can yeah. like it is that is a that uh, like that robot is it, like it's it's like it's weird because like the way that it's animated sometimes it's like, kind of squishy, which makes yeah. it seem like it almost has like shape shape shifting abilities given the periscope and everything. But re- really, it's like a, a beautifully crafted robot outside of the fact that its walking mechanism makes absolutely no goddamn sense and is the worst thing ever. <laughs> very ineffective but no it makes you trust it you look at it waddling around and you're like oh i want to hug that cute little guy oh (laughs) so you think it's intentional interesting (laughs) i didn't think about it until the moment that came out of my mouth (laughs) i do love the idea of like a cute like rotund spider slayer that's actually the most powerful weapon in the entire world like that's kind of amazing yeah (laughs) so like this is this is what the internet would call a chunky robot he is a bit of a chungus big chungus Um, he is thick with two two c's this robot's a unit (laughs) absolute unit (laughs) yeah yeah it's uh you know it's I think its design is absolute ass, but uh, the robot itself is very effective yeah. in, in what it does. Like it's, it is, it is a strong opponent for Spidey for sure. Yeah. 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 I mean, and you're right, Doug, like the way that this episode, it, it does kind of stand out from, from any of the ones that we watched so far in the sort of tension that it has, because the entire episode is just one big chase sequence pretty much. Yeah. 
Yeah. Like, which is really unique to this show so far. And I really like like the ongoing thread that Spider-Man does actually get tired out. And that's how he gets caught by the end of it is because he's literally exhausted because the entire episode has been a chase sequence. I kind of wish that I could have seen that for 22 minutes instead of 11 minutes because right. I think it would have been a lot better. Um, but I really like the uh, the attempt there. Yeah, I can see why they didn't choose this for a 22 minute episode, but I actually would have really enjoyed it. I think it would have it would have really landed if they did a full 22 minutes of this. Yeah, I, I will say this, and this gets into mild spoiler territory, but there, the robot comes back as, as the I'm not saying that, but as oh. the uh, as the series progressive, they basically do 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 uh, they do do. <laughs> They, they remake some of the early episodes that were 11 minutes into like 22 minute episodes. Oh boy. Just changing the plot that. slightly. I, I think they only do it once or twice, but uh, yeah, it, it, it's definitely like, huh, I've seen this before. Oh, it's just, they basically did a remake of an earlier episode. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I'm not mad about that. Cause I like, I, that's one of the things that we, we actually talked about on, on, on last week's episode before this was like, you know, that episode is a full 22 minute Mysterio episode. And it was sort of like that episode, I think benefited a lot from being 22 minutes. Yeah. Um, and I know that the show does like go to like 22 minutes pretty much after the first season for the most part. So it's, but it's just sort of like, what made we were talking about like well what made them choose that episode to be a full 22 minute episode right. and like not the other ones in the first season um and it's it's just sort of it's sort of fascinating what they choose to to like condense um and what they choose to like let themselves expand on there are no rules with the spider-man series that is the <laughs> one thing that you will both learn as it progresses i already love that about it to yeah. be quite honest <laughs> yeah like there, there. <laughs> this show starts to, at a certain point, depict hippie culture. And Yay. wow, is that a treat! That oh. is, <laughs> when Peter starts going to the coffee houses, you are you are in for a wild, wild time. I don't know if I should be excited for that or worried for that or both. <laughs> oh, I'm both. I'm very both. I think it's when the show really shines. Like it, the, the more ridiculous the show gets, yeah. And again, please, when you get to Blotto, when you see the Blottos coming up, please, uh, we you make that <laughs> double length episode and have me on because I, I have all the opinions on the Blotto episode. Yeah, it's uh, it's just this show is like I feel like a father who's dropping his kid off at college mm -hmm. with with being guesting on this episode because like, ah, uh, the world is ahead of you um, because there's, <laughs> there's so much greatness that is. I mean, I've been living with the show for like 40 years, so I'm I'm you know, I'm very, uh, very familiar with it. But even like there's some episodes I haven't seen in a very long time. And, you know, uh it's it's always fun to go back and revisit everything and even just just hearing you guys you know talk about it. I, I i'm definitely getting a kick out of hearing the new perspective um can i can i just like ask you both a question about uh, spider-man cartoons in general because this is something that really interests me each of you in individually um i think i know derek your answer to this but what are your favorite spider-man cartoons Oh boy, what a question. <laughs> like if you just had to pick one, could yeah. you pick one? Um yeah, I mean, 
I could pick well, yeah, I could pick one. I think Doug's going to be have the challenging, interesting answer. I mean, because well, I would say I would say my favorite is, is Spectacular Spider-Man. Um, yeah, and, and I, I also would we say talked about that off air before. <laughs> yeah, and I also yeah. think that that's like the 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 if you can by 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 the most basic like metrics, I think that's the best Spider-Man show. Yeah. Obviously, you know, even that gets subjective. But like by the most basic message uh, 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 metrics of good TV and and what you want from Spider-Man, I think it's like the best, and it's also my favorite. Favorite, which is how it lines up there are plenty yeah. of others that i really deeply love for different reasons though for sure but that's the one that i would pick yeah i mean if, if we're both forced to pick one answer we're gonna have the same answer because i also agree that by most metrics and just based on the way it's crafted and what goes into it and how it all plays out ultimately like spectacular is just a very good show let alone a spider-man show you know what i mean just very very well done the reason that i think derek says there's some complication there is i have this really really strange relationship with spider-man unlimited chris um that no one i think understands (laughs) and i just i i adore it in a really strange way i think it's it's maybe the most fascinating spider-man show i've ever watched um and i just love it for that and uh and so if, if when it comes down to like which show am I specifically going to gush about the most, it's probably unlimited. But would I say it's the best or my favorite? Uh, probably not. If I'm being like really, really honest and like authentic about it. <laughs> well, here's the here's the thing, and here's why I think you're awesome for that answer is uh, because <laughs> I think Unlimited is probably the most interesting of all of these cartoons. Yep. But it's so far removed from Spider Man that oh, yeah. it's you know it's kind of it's kind of hard to even think of in that context especially like the first time i saw unlimited i absolutely hated it because what i wanted was more of the fox john semper christopher daniel barnes spoken mm-hmm. you know show that went and was serialized and did so much that i loved and was just a really very ambitious show and then I got this thing that was just like weird. And it's kind of the mm-hmm. Alien 3 of Spider-Man. That's cartoon. such a good comparison. In, in that it's not it's not that it's terrible. It's just not a good representation of the franchise it exists in. And it's not what you want after the one that you got before right. either. Yeah. Right. But that, that doesn't makes a lot mean of sense. that it's terrible. You know what, though? That's. That is exactly why I, why it like stimulated my brain stuff so much because when Derek and I were talking about it, I believe both of us were like properly watching it for the first time. I, I, I think we, we I caught mean, some of it or we watched some of it because it was on I think right I after. Watched, I think I watched most, if not the whole show when it was airing, but like hate watching it or like watching it because sure. I didn't, because it was on and I felt like I was required to watch a Spider-Man show, but like in terms of like actually paying attention. And I remember watching at least the beginning of it. I just don't know how yeah. far I got into it. Cause I would have flashes of like, Oh yeah, this part or this thing. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the, the thing about it that I, I find so fascinating is as Derek and I were watching it and discussing it for this show, we were still able to pull out certain themes that still fit into a Spider-Man context. Right. And for that reason, the fact that it's both so far away from what you expect or want from a Spider-Man show, but then you still can find stuff in there. And when you really like give it a chance, you can tell that at least, at least some of the people who were responsible for it really did think about it and care about it. It just, it just is what it is. And it's always kind of going to be a hot mess. 
Um, that to me, that sort of push and pull between so far away, but also still kind of at its core, yeah. still kind of Spider-Man. Like that's what I love about it. That and I, I, the fact that it's so. I mean, I've I've gushed about it forever, but just like the fact that it has this weird political overtone to yeah. it, like, and the fact that it. It really it dives into like Spider-Man's role, which is a thing that you'll get in any Spider-Man cartoon where the world gets big enough. You know, like it just I don't know. I just I I here I go, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I would I would say for listeners, if you like skipped our coverage of the Unlimited show, because we cover the entire show, uh, you know, I, actually, it's well, well, that was like last year now. Honestly, I think some of our best episodes were covering yeah. that show because it's such a weirdly, strangely complicated show, both in like where it fits in the real world, like in the conversation about Spider-Man and yeah. also like just the weird stuff that it was doing and the really interesting things that it was saying as well. I can say with, with, with full sincerity that there is not another Spider-Man cartoon that I, I would want to explore more deeply than that cartoon. Cause I feel like there's so much there and there's so much we didn't get um, that I, I think about that show and the gaps way more than any other show which speaks to its incompleteness for sure but that's just you know that's just true of what my brain is doing it's definitely a show i want to do more of a deep dive on in terms of the production and what went wrong because there's like if correct me if i'm wrong but there was no merchandising for that show after toy biz did just such an onslaught with Mm. the uh the spider-man like 94 series so i mean that was interesting and i know I think Fox dropped the ball. Is that what happened with that? Oh, yeah. Oh, the release of it was super fucked. It was. Oh, if you listen to our first, not to just keep plugging our own podcast. No, I I, I didn't realize you guys had covered it. So I'll just have to listen to the first episode on the first episode that we do of that show. um, There's actually a lot of really good interviews that are out there about it. And like the production of it. Yeah. Was absolutely fucked. The way that Fox handled it was absolutely fucked. The way that like Marvel, like Marvel and the powers that be and like what, who, who wanted to own what absolutely fucked them over. Like, honestly, like, it, that sh- it could have been a brilliant, I think, really fascinating, even beloved show if it went with what's it, what its original plan was and then aired in the way that it was meant yeah. to air. But everything went wrong with it from the get go. And there's yeah, it's there's it it's, it's a fascinating production <laughs> story. Yeah, I will say this, though, it like it really pairs so excellently with the silver surfer show which is another show <laughs> that got screwed royally by uh by fox and it it definitely has that same kind of like dark weirdness i'm so mm-hmm. glad you said that because we watched exactly one episode of that and i believe our walking away was Derek's like, oh, I could leave it. And I was like, no, I think I need this. I think I need this directly <laughs> in my brain. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like, I, I mean, I, yeah, Doug, like if, if you love Unlimited, clearly you do. Like I, I recommend, uh, I, I mean, I recommend giving Silver Surfer a chance. It's And I believe like they're both on Disney Plus, uh, which is yep. so yep. weird. But yeah, like I, I, I did kind of at the beginning of the pandemic, I started rewatching Silver Surfer and I'm like, this is a bit too bleak for right now. I, I, need to, uh, I need, I, and I'm just like, I'm going to watch Sam and Max instead, uh, because I needed like, I needed like that late nineties Fox cartoon fix yeah. of like joy. And I wasn't getting it from Silver Surfer because it's just so weird and dark and, <laughs> yeah. you know, and it's a, it's a real tribute to the comics, but yeah, it, it definitely, uh, it does pair nicely with the Spider-Man Unlimited in terms of like, 
cartoons based on Marvel that totally defy expectation for better or worse. It's yeah. uh, it's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a it's an interesting I, like that was kind. Of, I know that like that whole thing was like a tangent, but I think it honestly yeah. ties in really well to why I feel like this show is so fun. Like the 67 show is so fun. Yeah. Even though it was the first is that it's like, it almost is kind of interestingly, like kind of impenetrable to like discourse and criticism in the way that like any other Spider-Man show would be because of how weird it is and how it's, how it, it itself isn't really a response to, to anything going on. Like it is just like their first attempt at a Spider-Man cartoon and they, did the weirdest possible shit with it yeah. and that's what makes it so charming and you can't yeah. you can't like hate it for it you know like it's it's that's i think it you can you can do nothing but love it or ignore it and i don't see why you would want to ignore it because it's so charming yeah i i okay could we uh like <laughs> I, I have one more question then i'll stop yeah. hijacking yeah the show. no you're yeah. you're totally fine <laughs> This one is based on um, Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Uh-huh. Okay. Mm-hmm. So this is going to be an F. Mary kill. And it's. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. You know, bring it on. You came to the right show. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Video Man, The Beetle, and Miss Lion. Oh, fuck. I thought oh. you were going to do the actual amazing friends. Oh, no. This is so much harder. Yeah. Okay. No, no, no. This is, this is the, you know, the amazing, the, the amazing friends. It's clearly, uh, that that's easy. No, I'm talking yeah. like the peripheral characters i got my answer i got my answer okay i don't have to think about that much fuck video man because like yeah like fucking electric he could probably reform himself into shit if he wanted to he's i that there's some people if people are into vor like that's like (laughs) like i guess that's like your vor icon um that's not where i was going but i guess that's we can do that for for the listeners at home, I just want to <laughs> I just want to clear something up here. I'm I'm 46 years old, and earlier this year I I learned what Vor was because um, of a Pac-Man cartoon called Pacula, and I discovered <laughs> that people were super into getting eaten by a cartoon vampire depiction. Oh of yeah, Pac-Man. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I'm not king shaming or anything. This just, this was a surprise to me. <laughs> um, and I did not know that this was a whole thing. And it is, um, as someone who does these bullshit pop culture presentations, talking about weird aspects of popular culture, this thing is like money in the bank. So I, uh, I, I yeah, but apparently video man has quite the following hmm. amongst, of uh, the Vore faithful out there into which I say, let your freak flag fly, people. All right. <laughs> yeah, I, I have to I say, welcome officially to the internet, Chris. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that, that is. <laughs> I do. I do. I do a show that shows like ET uh, ad- adult film, so I'm I'm more than aware. <laughs> I feel like Vor is a very special initiation point. You know? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. So, so Derek, I'm sorry, I I, I totally interrupted. Okay. So it was you would you would f. Uh, I don't know why I keep saying f. I, I feel like I have a lot yeah. of my profanity. Um, <laughs> video yeah. man uh, and and um, marry Miss Lion and uh, kill Aww. Beetle because I don't even know. We actually I don't think have we we've only covered the first season of Amazing Friends for yeah. our show. Oh, okay. So I don't think we've run into Beetle. I mean I know who Beetle is like in yeah other contexts I'm the but even... <laughs> yeah i don't think i i think i'd be fine with killing the beetle yeah. okay 
That's fun. yeah. I mean, we haven't gotten to the beetle, but I, I feel like any of these things except for killing makes me profoundly uncomfortable with with regards to Ms. Lion. So yeah, I feel like I'm killing Ms. Lion to be quite honest. Oh, um, <laughs> as much as I admire her tenacity um, and uh, you know ability, Would you strangle to her save, with her bow. Uh, oh God, I I don't want to think about how I'm doing it. <laughs> I mean, to be quite honest, I probably couldn't kill Ms. Lion if the show has taught me anything. It's that she will always win. Um, <laughs> but uh, in this hypothetical, uh, I think we're killing Ms. Lion, which leaves me with a weird uh, unknown in the beetle. So I, I think because I don't know this beetle or, or how he fits into things, I, I guess I'm marrying Video Man and just fucking beetle and, and hoping for the best. Uh, I'm be going to, I'm going to, I'm going to let you know while I don't agree with the killing of Miss Lion. I mean, I, I hate it principally because she is a dog and this will make me many enemies. Uh, beetle is very much a muscle bear. So, okay. Well, I made really? the right choice. Hello. Excuse oh, yeah. me. <laughs> Since <laughs> when? <laughs> what? In, in the cartoon. Well, I have never cared about the beetle in my entire life. You'll be looking it up until this single moment. Look, I gambled and it paid off. Damn! Oh, I'm so mad. Sorry, not sorry, Ms. Lion. Oh, I married a dog. (laughs) I would. Uh, I mean, I I mean, Doug. I would switch the um, Miss Lion with. Uh, with with video man in your scenario, but yeah, you uh... look. I'm not trying to kill a dog. I'm just also not trying to fuck or marry a dog. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No. You're, you you got you got the one that was most important to have right. Right. So nailed it. You know. Literally. Good, good. Better luck next time, Derek. Damn. Well, I'm excited to get to the episode that he appears in Amazing Friends. Then yeah. never would have thought I'd be excited for an episode with the fucking beetle in it. But all right. it's a great. It is. It is the origin of the Spider Friends episode that Tony oh. Stark guest appears Ooh, in, uh, okay. and it's it is one of my favorite episodes of that nice. show. Delightful. Um, and I love that show. Uh, that that's another show that gets silly in its third season, but I I love it. It's it's a it's an it's honestly a gem. Like I, I it's so fun. Very 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 unironically like that show a whole lot. Yeah, it's so fun. Oh boy, that was an adventure. Sorry, I derailed the show, but <laughs> that's I, I, no, okay. that's fine. Hey, honestly, <laughs> we've done episodes that are like two and a half hours before, so uh, <laughs> we're killing it right now. <laughs> I mean, is there? Yeah, is there other stuff for this episode that we want to get into? I don't know how we follow up, you know, Muscle Bear Beetle, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there may be some notes flying out there that we didn't grab yet. Um, I, I do, I do think it's interesting how little Aunt May is in this series. If if uh, if memory yeah. serves, like, has she been yeah. in any of these episodes yet? My understanding watched? is that she's only in one episode in the in the entire first season. I don't know how, oh, wow. how much okay. she's in after the first season, but yeah, and that episode actually is coming up relatively soon. Yeah, which is, it's an odd choice. I don't know. Yeah. It only makes sense to me in the context of this being a series that has two 11-minute segments, but they break that rule so fast that it stops making sense to me. Like, if it were always two 11-minute segments, I think it would be easier for me to grapple with. And then they break it, and then they go back to it. It'll yeah. be like, it'll be 22 minutes, then they'll go back to like 11 minutes. And I it's, yeah. the, the, again, there, there seems to be no rhyme or reason to the entire series. Uh, yeah. There yeah. used to be a, a great magazine only ran like two or three issues in the early nineties called wild cartoon kingdom. 
and they did a, a great retrospective on Marvel cartoons that uh, they, they got a little bit into the show, focused a lot of the 94 Spider-Man series. They delved uh, pretty deeply into the Thing cartoon, where it was like the Thing with the ring, oh, and the, the Thing ring, do your thing. <laughs> the, the Hanna-Barbera one that was disconnected from the Fantastic Four. And, uh, you know, if anyone out there, it may even be on uh, Internet Archive, uh, try to try to track down some copies of wild cartoon kingdom for some like Marvel insights. Uh, because again, these shows there needs to be, or I need to write a book about <laughs> like these Marvel cartoons, these kind of forgotten Marvel cartoons because the, you know, Marvel's so big right now and there's still a ton of stuff that isn't on Disney plus uh, oh, yeah. for various mm-hmm. right, re- rights reasons. And that's really strange. Yeah. I don't have anything else. Well, I suppose then let's uh, let's talk a couple faces here uh, before we before we wrap it up. Another delightful Jameson face, this time because his eyes are so tiny as opposed to so huge. Uh, this is like a I think this is him realizing that he can publicly have his face attached to the defeat and capture of Spider-Man. Uh, and this is him having a moment of realization. And it's just a delightful yeah. little frame. It's funny that you caught this one because that's definitely a meme that I've seen too. It's not a super common <laughs> one, but I've seen that one cycled around as a reaction image to stuff. I'm not surprised. We've said it before. Anytime they focus on a face, it's usually a good moment. Yeah. <laughs> and then I, you know, I know the design of the robot isn't uh, great, but it is adorable. Uh, it kind of <laughs> looks like a teddy bear with penguin wings. Uh, and when it senses Spider-Man, it just sort of like shakes and wobbles uh and it's uh it's cute i like it i think it's funny yeah yeah <laughs> and it has it jameson's face on it while it's doing it which is hilarious i mean everything with a robot is hilarious like i'm yeah. it's a it's not a good like design for a scary robot but it's uh it's hilarious that's yep. for sure <laughs> yep delightful delightful <laughs> Yeah, Chris, thanks so much for being on with this. Derek and Doug, thank you uh, uh, so much for for letting me uh, spew my nonsense on your fun little show here. Uh, I just I just thank you for for doing this show. This is this is fantastic. Oh my yeah. gosh! Thank you, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, well, I appreciate I appreciate you coming on because you're such a wealth of knowledge for this stuff yeah. too. So. That's that's super it's super fun because, you know, like we said, some of the people like a lot of the people that we're probably going to have on will have never seen this show before. Yeah. So it's fun to have the perspective of knowing uh, everything about it, <laughs> which mm-hmm. is great. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like at it, it, this point, like I've I've kind of forgotten stuff because like I've lived with this show for so yeah. long. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. like, oh, my God, like. Uh, just uh, a few weeks ago, um, I was just watching the DVD set. I just threw it on and I'm like, I don't remember this. Oh, I totally remember this. Episode. <laughs> you know, it was Love like it. you were doing that, that sort of thing. And it's just, you know, there, there really is a, a charm to the show. I think, I think that's the word that ultimately I, I think, I think charming is the perfect description of the show. It's, it's not the best show. It's, you know, it's goofy at times, but it really does have like, a lovability factor to it that that I think you know that combined with like nostalgia. I'm always interested to hear like what people think about the show who have no nostalgia for it because it is such a uh, such a thing that's very much of its time. Spider-Man as a character has evolved so much for better or worse since this 
this cartoon happened. And like, I, I'm wondering because the animation is so limited, uh, the, all the budgetary cuts that the show faced, all the weird creative decisions that happened to me, that just gives the show the charm that it has. And, and it's part of its staying power for me, but for people who've never seen these episodes before, I just wonder like, what the hell do you make of this insanity? So I think you guys are kind of doing a service in that <laughs> respect. And also like you're getting the word out about the show because you know, you'd be amazed at people who don't know this show exists because it's been out of print on DVD for so long. It's yeah. You really do have to do some, some jump over some hurdles yeah. to find it on the internet. Uh, and it's not on Disney plus. So, you know, it's, it's kind of like this forgotten thing uh, in terms of the, uh, the, the Spider-Man's history. And I really, really, my hope upon hopes is that the Marvel 616 show We'll do an episode devoted to this cartoon. I think it really should. It did the yeah. Japanese series. So I, I, I would love to see it tackle this show or even just have have a show that's all about kind of obscure Marvel cartoons. I think that would be a great episode because it's mm-hmm. it's something that I, I I don't want to be forgotten. I want new generations to keep discovering this show because it's full of so many pleasures and it's it's a vital part of Spider-Man's history. And personally, it was what introduced me to Spider-Man. So like the, the personal importance I put on the show, I can't understate enough. It's just, it means the world to me with all of its flaws. But I think, I think it's joys far outweigh any problems it has. Yeah. It's a piece of, it's a piece of television history for sure too. Uh, so. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Oh, cool, cool. I'm sure we could probably keep talking about this forever, so we'll have to have you back. Yeah, we'll definitely have you back on um, at some point. Uh, Blotto. At the very least for Blotto, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> we could talk even more about it. But until then, until then, where can people find you? What are you working on? Where where, where should people go if they want to, if they want to hear more from you? Okay, uh, well, first off, uh, I'm on Twitter at Bionic Bigfoot based on the $6 million man, uh, under understood creature. Um, I am on every other social media outfit and I'm also on Twitter as sci-fi explosion. One word also follow me on Twitch at sci-fi explosion. Uh, I tend to generally do a show every Friday night and every Saturday morning, Friday night, could be anything from a secret screening to uh, a music video dance party to whatever. It's just all weird science fiction ephemera. That is, you know, with the world opening up, my schedule is changing a bit. So I'm still going to be doing at least a weekly show. I'm not sure exactly when yet, but for right now, it's every Friday night and every Saturday morning, 7.30 p.m. Eastern on Friday nights, 10 a.m. Eastern on Saturday mornings. And the Saturday morning show is... I call cosmic cartoons, which is exactly what that sounds like. It is like a retro Saturday morning cartoon experience. Uh, I show old cartoons that I have curated as well as I incorporate in vintage commercials, public service announcements, uh, odd local ads, all sorts of craziness. So it's like, you know, it's like watching uh, Saturday morning television with a head wound. It's a lot of fun. I love it. Uh, I will be. Uh, I'm doing a live show again. I'm going to be at Dragon Con in Atlanta over a Labor Day weekend. I'm doing uh, a live sci-fi explosion there. I'm also going to be doing a bunch of guest panels for the American Sci-Fi Classics track. 
Uh, my schedule isn't certain yet, so just keep following Sci-Fi Explosion on Twitter for the latest update. And yeah, I'm uh, Sci-Fi Explosion on whatever social media bullshit is your favorite. You can find me on all of them. <laughs> They're all just a waste of time that will do them us all. But hey, until then, you know, <laughs> yippee, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I will say Sci-Fi Explosion uh, is what... Uh, got me i actually was able to watch the uh the 90s fantastic four movie and the 70s dr strange movie which both fucking rule actually they're really good i'd never watched those before those are fantastic so <laughs> uh thanks for introducing me to to those movies uh, for one. my pleasure you were I, I we basically became friends because of that uh mm-hmm. the, you you discovering the show and everything um, or at least that's the uh, that's the narrative I'm throwing out there because I really don't remember the truth sure. at this point. <laughs> I'm sure it has something to do with your beard, but you know, that's... <laughs> whatever. Um, yeah. Cool, cool. Well, thanks. Yeah, thanks so much for being on again. It was fantastic. Oh, guys, uh, Doug, and Derek, thank you so so much for uh, having me on here. I'm I'm actually going to go and start listening to the Spider-Man Unlimited episodes nice. now. Yes. So, <laughs> well thanks again to chris for guesting on this great episode and if you'd like to hear more great episodes from us i kept that uh get that transition just very easy and obvious uh you can join <laughs> our patreon at patreon.com slash wallopingwebsnappers we've got a whole bunch of great extra content on it um you probably heard it on our on our ad reel but we've got like moving co- movie commentaries that we're doing i think our spider-man 3 episode would have come out this month so that's definitely was a big one for us that i think is a really really fun conversation um in addition to tons of like spider bites where we cover different comics and stuff like that so definitely lots of in- extra content you can find on our patreon you can also check out our discord which we will link in the show notes and you'll probably see on our social media and website uh wherever um so definitely join us on discord to be part of the conversation about spider-man and our shows and just anything you ever want to talk about we'll be there otherwise if you'd like to find us individually across the interwebs where can we find you, Doug? You can find me on Twitter at Ikibuli, I-C-K-Y-B-O-O-L-E-Y. You can also find me on another podcast here on the 4-Eyed Radio Network called Victory Road. It's a Pokemon podcast where I get together with some friends and talk about Pokemon just as I feel like it. If you like books and games, you can also listen to me on a podcast called Novel Gaming where my friends Vicky and Katie and I catch up on all the books, games, and other media that we've been consuming lately. What about you, Derek? Sure, you can find me on Twitter at Derek B. Gale. You can also find me on YouTube under my video essay series, Second Chance, which looks at bad or divisive media, but from a positive lens. If you'd like to hear more from Doug and I, you can check out our monthly podcast called Falling with Style, an ongoing Pixar movie marathon where we, you guessed it, look at every Pixar movie chronologically. Our episode on Toy Story 3 is actually out now, and it's definitely uh, a, a, a big one uh, with a lot of great <laughs> conversations with great guests. So you can check that out wherever you get your podcasts. You can also visit our website, wallopingwebsnappers.com. You'll find a full archive of both our Falling With Style and Walloping Web Snappers episodes there, um, as well as all of our, our images and faces of the episode that go with the episodes that we're talking about. 
And you can follow us all across social media, like Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all at Walloping Web Pod. You can also find the images uh, and faces of the episode there as well if you want. And if you have any questions or comments, want to talk about your history with the word robot, if we were right about what the origins of that word is, you can email us at wallopingwebsnapperspodcast at gmail.com. We'd also love it if wherever you listen to podcasts, if you could rate, review, and subscribe to us on those platforms, especially if it's a major platform, because it really helps other people find our podcast next week spidey faces two more classic villains see if you can guess which villains he might be facing next week because the episode is titled never step on a scorpion and sands of crime Hmm, i am just stumped venom and carnage obviously see ya bye how do you fight an enemy who's stronger than you How do you escape when there's no place to run? Next week, I've only seconds to find the answer before the scorpion finds it for me with his deadly tail. When I first saw it, it was an ordinary paper bag. But I soon learned that things aren't always what they seem. Especially when they can change into any deadly form, like the sinister Sandman, the most dangerous foe this web-slinger ever fought. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, does whatever a spider can. Spins a web any size, catches seeds just like flies. Look out, here comes the Spider-Man. Is he strong? Listen, bud. He's got radioactive blood. Can he swing from a thread? Take a look overhead. Hey there, there goes a fireman. In the chill of night, at the scene of a crime, like a streak of light, he arrives just in time. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Welcome, fame, he's ignored. Action is his reward to him. Life is a great big bang up. Wherever there's a hang up, you'll find the Spider-Man. Chris, by the way, it looks like your video turned on. I don't know if you're aware of that. <laughs>